This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Tonight, we're looking back on two narrow defeats against Villa in the league and Spurs in the FA Cup. And then we'll be previewing the huge game at home to Luton this Friday at Turf Moor. Surely this is a must-win game if the Clarets are going to have any chance of Premier League survival. This is the No Name Ever podcast. First off, we've got Tom with a few thoughts on the Villa and Spurs performances. Hello, No Name Ever listeners. Tom here, just with a few thoughts about the, uh, the Villa and Spurs games. And maybe a little look ahead to the Luton game as well. Um... I thought the Liverpool performance was probably not as good as a lot of people made out. I thought we were pretty much second best in that one, but Villa was was much improved. We do look we, we look much better as a sort of counter attack, uh, sort of low, you know, d- deeper sitting team. It doesn't play out from the back so much, and we certainly do a lot less of that away from home. And I think as a consequence, we're playing better and, and picking up more results away. Um, and we were really good at Villa. We were really unlucky not to get something. Um, I don't want to go too much into the refereeing decisions. There's war under the bridge, but there's obviously a couple that were pretty egregious mistakes. The the handball that the ref seen and decided not to punish for some reason, and then the um, the penalty where there's obviously really minimal contact and and the Villa players die, very similar to the one that Bruno Fernandez uh, got against Wigan. And it's the kind of you know penalties that we've seen since the dawn of time that the big clubs get in the league, uh, particularly when they're level at home and they, they need a winner so it was frustrating the performance deserved a lot more Foster was obviously uh, imperious scored a great goal very very tight offside for the second and people are saying that that was you know VAR doesn't get offside wrong for me if you pause that half a second earlier um, then he's on or if you draw the line slightly thinner then he's on it's it's arbitrary as a lot of VAR is to me um, but Obviously, we got the wrong end of that decision, as we did most of the decisions in that game. But a really good performance uh, gives you a bit of heart and a bit of hope that you know the second half of the season, even if we don't manage to get the points that we need, is going to be at least a lot more enjoyable than the first half. The players are learning, the players are getting better, and they're either then going to go into next season, whatever division we're in, as better players, or they're going to attract more money when we sell them on, which, of course, is, is the idea. Um, so yeah, very encouraging display there, and I think it was another good performance at Spurs. Moving on to that game, um, obviously a much rotated side, and I think Spurs actually probably had a stronger team out than us, relatively speaking. I know that there's no Son and no Madison, no Van der Ven, etc. A lot of the best players are out, but they missed the game anyway, injuries or 
being away on international duty. So I think that was about as good a team as they could have picked, whereas we rested and rotated a few. And you can't argue with the performance again. Um, quite unlucky not to get a replay, really. Obviously missed some good chances, Amdini. Could have easily, you know, could have maybe even had a hat-trick on another day. It was certainly two really good chances that he spurned. And, of course, they get a bit of luck with the goal. I think Muric, at the time when he throws that ball out, he just needs to calm it down. He doesn't need to... We don't need to be counter-attacking with 10 minutes to go away at Spurs. I think we need to settle for the nil-nil, really, at that point. But it's a risk, you know, and, and we take the risk. We gamble. Amdini obviously loses the ball. I don't think he's massively at fault there. I think I think where the ball's come to him and the pace it's on, I don't think he can do too much more there. So, And obviously, if a right-back pings it in from 25 yards, you've just got to hold your hands up, really. There's not a lot you can do about that goal. So... <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, again, an, another good performance, and uh, again, you know, it's trending in the right direction. And we just need to start pulling out some of these kind of performances at home now. Become harder to beat, and and be a bit more clinical, of course, in front of goal as well as Foster was at Villa. And that, obviously, that takes you on to uh, the injury to Foster and Taylor as well. <laughs> Probably, if there were two positions in the team where you'd say. We don't really have any cover at all or not any sort of decent cover. You'd say centre-forward and left-back. So, Sod's Law, it's those two positions where we get the injuries. A uh, company uh, seems to have just kind of completely dismissed Rodriguez now, which is maybe a little harsh. I mean, I think it's fairly obvious that he's, he's probably not a Premier League player anymore. I think he's probably just got not quite got that extra yard anymore. Um, he's chipped in with a couple of goals, of course, but I think we're probably just lacking that bit of pace and physicality now. But I don't think Brun Larson's the answer as a centre-forward, so bringing him on seems a bit strange. Um, I don't really think he is impacted at any point when he's come on at centre-forward. Um, so if Foster does miss the Luton game, I, I very much hope it's not Brun Larson playing centre-forward. I'm hoping that we get at least an hour of Rodriguez and see what we get from him. Um, obviously, with the the injury news, sometimes he's like North Korea, uh, coming out of Berlin these days so no idea what what where Eberfemi is what's happened to him he came on against Sheffield United and he seems to have disappeared again since then so hopefully he's kind of he's on the way back as well because I think he while it, while obviously we've not I don't think he's even had a start in a Berlin shirt as I said we've not really seen what, what he can bring yet but what we do know is he's probably quicker and uh, more mobile more physical than Rodriguez so that's something um or, you know, uh, best case scenario, Foster's fit. And it's the same for Taylor. I um, thought Delquart and O'Shea were pretty solid, actually, against Spurs, probably the best you've seen them playing. The less they get told to play out from the back and, and you know, the less we have a keeper who isn't comfortable playing out from the back, being told to do it. Um, obviously, in, in the case of Spurs, we had a keeper who can do it playing. And I think when Trafford plays now, more and more, he's, he doesn't have to do it. He, he's putting his foot through things and... He looks more comfortable and confident as a result. He's making less mistakes. Um, so it was a good sign for Delcroix and for O'Shea. Um, I think Delcroix is probably going to have to play left-back. I believe Bayer is... We're hoping that Bayer is going to be fit. So, yeah, Delcroix at left-back, I'm not sure. What, what I suppose one advantage would be Luton have got that kind of height and physicality and we do struggle to deal with that. So... O'Shea and Delcoir are kind of probably more old-fashioned centre-halves. So, again, if we're not asking them to play out from the back, then you'd like to think they'll win some headers and, uh, and clear some crosses like they're doing against Spurs. Uh, yeah. In terms of confidence for that game, it's, it's difficult because Luton look a better side than us at the minute. You know, I think individually we've got better players, but as a team, I think they're better coached, frankly, and I think 
they look a better outfit. They picked up some good results recently, and even the games they've lost, they, they compete and they have more goals in them than we do. Having said all that, you saw in the game at Kenilworth Road that we have got that individual quality that's better than theirs. Burge made a difference, Foster made a difference, and obviously Brun Larson scored that worldie down there as well. So I think if Foster's fit, um, Burge coming back in is a big bonus. Taylor's going to be a miss, but I, th I think we should have the quality to beat them at home. Um, I'd say a repeat of what we saw down at Kenilworth Road. Fingers crossed for a 2-1 win, because um, I think anything less than three points and we can basically draw a line under the season. Fingers crossed. Enjoy the game. Um, hopefully your travel plans haven't been too disrupted. And let's hope we get those three points. Up the Clarets. Great analysis from Tom there, as always. Uh, time to welcome Dave. Uh, happy New Year to you, Dave, uh, and to all of our listeners. Uh, first, I'm going to start off with a question. I'm interested to know your thoughts on Murich's performance versus Spurs. And where do you stand on the Trafford versus Murich debate for the rest of the season, now that we're out of both cup competitions? Uh, I thought Murich did okay. Had a few uh, scary moments, as we, uh, we we tend to see, and obviously the he was kind of maybe partly at fault for the the goal as well. Obviously, it was a, a, a worldy uh, against us, worthy of winning any game. But we kind of brought it on ourselves a little bit. He threw the ball out to Amdouni, who was dispossessed, and then obviously the uh, the rocket went straight uh, back past him. So it was one of those where perhaps if we kind of calmed it down a little bit and played differently. It might not have happened, but it's one of them things, I think. Um, and then, obviously, at the end, he, he kind of, uh, he was making a, a, a menace of himself in the uh, in the Spurs box, got the header to uh, Amdouni, and then uh, couldn't quite find the net uh, right at the end. But it was, it was one of those where he, he had a decent game, I thought, um, but there were one or two dicey moments, but you kind of get that with Murich. It kind of comes with the territory, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd almost forgotten about that moment at the end there. Uh, maybe trying to wipe people from my memory, but yeah, that would have been uh, that would have been some ending to the game. Um, I think obviously it was a big discussion at the start of the season, weren't it? More than more than anything else, the Murich Trafford debate. But um, yeah, I don't think I don't think we're going to change path um, at this point now, um, which is still going to divide fans. I think. Um, and now, like looking forward to the next game. Um, so this is the preview show. Uh, Natalie's not here this week; she's on holiday. So you've uh, you're with uh, me and Dave. Um, I think the big talking point outside of the the actual game is obviously now it's moved to Friday the twelfth, seven forty five pm kickoff from Monday. Very late notice. Um, surely there should have been a better way to to manage that. What are your thoughts on it, Dave? Uh, my thoughts are it's 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 a bonkers decision, really. It's obviously done for the the TV. They wanted the Monday night slot, presumably that from their point of view that gets more cash and advertising. But obviously, that we knew there was always the risk that if either team uh, drew in the FA Cup and required a replay, then it would have to be moved. And they'd kind of you know beforehand realised that it would move to the the Friday. Why we couldn't have just made it the Friday to begin with? That wouldn't have inconvenienced anyone. Obviously, it's a home game for Burnley, so quite a lot of Burnley fans will be less uh, inconvenienced. But there will, you know, there are Burnley fans travelling from all over the country, so um, it's not good for them. It's not good for the uh, the Luton fans as well, having to to do that at such short notice. Um, it would have made a lot more sense if we'd have known with plenty of notice beforehand. I mean, Friday kick off, Friday night kickoffs aren't ideal at the best of times, but at least if you know that's the case. And that's in the diary, you know, three, four weeks ahead. It's fine. 
if you're changing it at five days' notice, which is effectively what it was, then it's uh, it's not good for anyone really. And I think the uh, the FSA have come out this week and they've said it's uh, uh, not very good for for supporters. That's obviously their role, and uh, I'd be very much in agreement with uh, with them. It's a it's a crazy situation, really. Yeah, I think you summed that up perfectly there, Dave. Completely, completely agree with you there. Um, so now we do turn to the football and um, the preview show format, starting with the match results summary against Luton Town over the years. Uh, yeah, Burnley were unbeaten in their last seven matches against Luton Town, home and away. And this Friday's match is also the 50th league meeting between the two clubs overall. But for now, it's the Clarets' home record we'll be focusing on. The previous 24 league matches at Turf Moor produced 11 Burnley wins, eight draws and just five wins for the Hatters. Burnley's goal tally in those matches is 38, with 26 goals against. We've failed to beat Luton, however, in any of the last seven league meetings at Turf Moor, going all the way back to 1997, with four draws and three defeats for Burnley during that time. This season's the first time both clubs have been together in the top flight since 1974-75. And after victory earlier in the season at Kenilworth Road in the delayed match, remember it had to be uh, put back because of their ground improvements early in the season, uh, it's an opportunity for our first league double of the campaign. And it's also a chance for our first league double over Luton Town since the 1994-95 season, if we can win on Friday. It's uh, quite surprising that um, not not beating Luton at home since 1997. Like, I've, I'd have just expected us to do better, especially with our record at um, at Kenilworth, Kenilworth Road yeah, being, exactly. uh, being pretty good. Um, and the uh, next feature is one to remember and one to forget. We're continuing that um, for all the reverse fixtures in the second half of the season. Um, and this time we're going to kick off with a match that was not exactly the most exciting spectacle. Uh, yeah, that's an understatement. Um, after 10 wins from the first 20 league matches of the 2006-07 season, Steve Cottrell's Clarets were still sitting pretty in fifth place in the Championship by the end of November. Uh, but the initial joy turned to despair with a dreadful run over the next four months to the end of March 2007. On the 31st of March 2007, Burnley had failed to win any of the previous 17 league matches and that actually went to 18 in all competitions because we'd uh, lost to Reading I think it was in the uh, the FA Cup. Uh, struggling Luton Town who'd recently sacked Mike Newell and appointed Kevin Blackwell as their manager were adrift in last place in the table and were the next visitors to Turf Moor and you can probably guess from the Burnley Express headline which was insipid and uninspiring that things did not go to plan. The match was dreadful and finished nil-nil, which left us in 19th position, just three points above the dreaded drop zone, and many of us wondered how much more time the manager would be given. However, an unexpected 4-0 home win, that was against Plymouth Argyle just three days later, uh, gave us some hope, and four more wins from the remaining seven league matches after that meant that we finished that season in a comfortable 15th place. And the one to remember? Yeah, as for I want to remember, we're going to revisit Burnley's last home league win against Luton Town. We mentioned we hadn't won any of the last seven, so going back one before that was our last home win against them. Uh, that was back in 1995. Uh, just over 9,500 fans were at Turf Moor. This ends the league Division 1 match, 
Uh, that was on the 21st of March 1995 against David Pleat's Luton Town in his second spell as the Hatters' manager. After a goalless first half, Jimmy Mullen's struggling Claret side went behind. That was to a Dwight Marshall goal just after the hour mark. But a 73rd-minute goal from substitute John Mullen was followed 10 minutes later by a winner from Jerry Harrison to provide some temporary cheer in a rather disappointing season. The victory, as well as providing one of just two league doubles of that campaign, the other was against Charlton Athletic, couldn't pull us away from trouble. And we finished in 22nd place and returned to the third tier, along with Swindon Town, Bristol City and Notts County. Mm. Back in the days where four were relegated. Um, yeah, John Mullin and uh, Jerry Harrison, two, two great blasts from the past from when I was first watching watching Burnley. Good um, good memory, well, other than the relegation, good memories of that, that era. Um, next up is the opposition view. And we've got Dave from Oh When The Town podcast um, with his thoughts on the big game. Hello, this is Dave from Oh When The Town podcast. If I have to think about Luton Town's uh, season so far, I'm going to say it's, it's been going okay. I think we've actually proved a lot of the doubt was wrong. We've gone toe-to-toe with some of the top teams in the division. I mean, let's look at the Arsenal game at home. We should have got something out of that. We took Man City when he lost by one goal there. We... You know, Liverpool, we was unlucky not to win that game. Uh, Tottenham, West Ham, they've all been moments. But the one that really obviously grates on us is the game against Burnley at home when we managed to get that equaliser and then let you score straight away. So there's a there's a little thing there that obviously we need to try and resurrect this time and, and, and get get correct. But overall, the season's been going OK. Our points tally is OK. It could be a little bit more. I think of the points we should have won and we haven't. As a team, we've been playing strongly. We're playing some decent football. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, to the next fixture on Friday night. However, it's a must-win for both of us, really, isn't it, at this point? Um, it's not season-defining, but it definitely will encourage you to think that we can, either team, if either team wins, that, you know, we've got more of a chance of staying up. I would say that. I would like to think that Luton will come out strong and, and play fast football, uh, but also maybe taking advantage of, of the Burnley press against us because obviously it's a big game for us both to take the three points. Um, I'm hopeful that we get more of the ball than we normally do because we have a low possession away. Uh, we have a high press and we get people on the break. Uh, with the squad as it is, I think we'll start with Kaminsky in goal, obviously. He's been an absolute legend this season. Uh, the back three maybe of Mengi, uh, Osho and Bell, depending on fitness. I would obviously see Ross Barkley being one of our best players this season. He's been lording it around. He'll be definitely starting. Uh, Sammy Laconga would be there. Alfie Doughty, who's been sublime as well. And possibly Ogbeni or maybe Ryan Giles in that back, in the middle of the pitch. Uh, and then it's, it's, a, it's a lottery up front. We'll definitely start with um, Addy Bayo and possibly Morris, maybe Jacob Brown, but definitely Andrew T- Andros Townsend. But you never know. You never know what, what the tactics are. It's, it's a, it, for me, it's a don't lose this game for Luton Town. If we get a point, I'll be pleased. If we get three, it'll be fantastic. If we don't win, uh, we, let's not lose. If we do lose, obviously that opens up the table for you guys too and you know puts a bit of uh, hope, I suppose, that you know, we can both push on and stay up. You see the word I use both there because I can't think of Luton Town not staying up. But if I'm realistic, it's going to be a tough match under the lights at Turf Moor. It's going to be cold. 
it's going to be a good atmosphere and you know we know that it means so much to both sets of supporters and both clubs that someone walks away with three points I hope it's us it could be a tough one though so I'm my heart says I want Luton to win and if we win 1-0 in the 98th minute I don't care but uh, I just don't want to lose but I think it might be a very hard fixture for us both I'm just hoping that you guys don't win. I apologise for that, Burnley fans, but I'm really hoping that doesn't happen. But I'm sure it will. You know, it could go either way. So enjoy the game, and let's hope at the end of the season we can both knock out of that end of you know that bottom three. Thanks for having me on again, and uh, enjoy yourselves. Cheers. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Thank you, Dave. Um, Back to our Dave. And next up is the referee. Who's taking charge? Yeah, 40-year-old Tony Harrington of Hartlepool. He's got the whistle at Turf Moor on Friday evening. Uh, We saw him earlier this season. He was in charge for our 1-0 home defeat to Manchester United. Uh, Prior to this season, his only other four previous Burnley matches have produced two defeats as well as two Burnley victories. Uh, He's yet to produce a red card in any of these previous matches. And the yellow card count stands at six to Burnley players and nine to our opponents. Peter Banks will be in charge of the goal prevention technology as he's this week's video assistant referee. No. Um, it'd be nice if we start coming on the right side of these uh, these VAR decisions, won't it? But not holding up. Um, so on to, um, on to the game then, Dave. Um, I think the biggest uh, talking points from a Burnley perspective are probably the injuries to uh, Charlie Taylor and, uh, and Lyle Foster. Um, and then hopefully we've got Jordan Bayer coming back in. Is is there anything you'd you'd be wanting company to do? Uh, would it be a different approach against Luton, given that it's probably a team that would be expected to um, to have a good chance of beating at home? Or do you think we'll be um, more conservative, like we have been in the more recent performances? Um, yeah, I think it'll be a continuation of the same. I think we've we've got to the point now where we're not making wholesale changes every game. He's got a reasonably settled side. Obviously, injuries and suspensions, you can't help. You're going to have to make changes for those. But I think the only changes that will come in will be enforced ones. Um, and we'll see a, a reasonably settled side other than the players that you've you've mentioned already who, who probably won't be available. Um, and I think in terms of style of play, I don't think we're going to be doing anything particularly different. I think we have maybe toned it back a little bit in recent times. We have become a little bit more 
um, resolute in matches and we'll be trying to do very much the same. But, you know, credit to Luton Town. They've come up this season with um, a much lower budget, I think, you know, in terms of what they, they spent in transfers in the summer as well. And they've adapted to the Premier League reasonably well. They, they've given themselves a fighting chance and they'll be looking to come to Turf Moor and, uh, and and get a victory. It'll be from their point of view, like like from our point of view, it, they'll be seeing it as being a winnable game for them. Uh, there are other games in the season that are more difficult, although they've had some good results against uh, sides towards the top as well. So they won't come with any fear, I don't think. They'll come to Turf Moor on a Friday night and they'll be looking to, uh, to get a victory, uh, come away with all three points. But it's our job to... Be, be resolute and try and reverse this dreadful home form we've had. We've only had the one home win against Sheffield United, obviously a vital victory at that time. Uh, we need to make sure we can do the same again against Luton. Yeah, it'd be nice to get a goal after uh, 12 or 13 seconds again, wouldn't it, just to settle the nerves? Um, yeah, I've, I've been really impressed with Luton. I think they've um, they've got a style of play that will trouble teams regardless of who they are playing. They've got a way that they can um, cause teams problems from um, from the high pressure system up the pitch, and obviously the set pieces. If you're good at set pieces, then uh, you've always got a chance of scoring, as we saw for so many years with uh, with Dyche. Um, and it's something that we've struggled with. So we did we did defend really well against um, against a, a bit of a barrage down down at their place. So hopefully we can stay as resolute again, and uh, and we can get a. Uh, a similar similar outcome. Have um have you got a score prediction for for the game, Dave? Um, I think well, I'm going to predict a Burnley win. I think it might be tight though, and I think we might struggle to keep a clean sheet. So I'm going to go for Burnley two, Luton Town one. I'm going to say we will keep a clean sheet and we'll win two nil. Um, but that's probably being a bit optimistic. Um. <laughs> Uh, any oh one other thing I just wanted to ask uh, Zaruri came back in and obviously I think we've got a lot of wingers and not um, not as many options other other areas of the pitch. Um, can you see him playing more of a part going forward, or do you think we'll be back to the um, back to the uh, the norm of of well we just haven't seen him or Benson for the first half of the season have we? Yeah, it might be a case that he comes on as a as a sub. I think he looked useful at, at times in the uh, the Spurs game. He had that a nice little flick over the top, didn't he? When uh, mm. Abdouni had that chance, he couldn't quite control. Um, but yeah, I think he's hopefully he's going to play a part in the second half of the season. He was such an important player for us uh, last season. Uh, we'd like to see him get more involved because we know what he's capable of. We'd like him uh, like to see him doing that on the uh, on the big stage and doing it in the Premier League as well. Yeah, I think that'd that'd be uh, that'd be really good. I think we made, and obviously it's a difference in level, but we made such an impact with our substitutions last season, mm. uh, coming off the bench and changing games. And this year, it seems like we're making changes right at the end of games and not really giving the the substitutes chance to to make an impact. So I'd I'd be more than happy if we saw um, saw him for twenty minutes on on Monday, if if required. Um, on next. On Friday, sorry, I don't know why, I don't know why, but they're all over the place with days, still haven't recovered from Christmas. Um, yeah, this Friday. Um, so next up is our fun feature. Um, so the celebrity fans, famous fans. And uh, Dave, who have we got from, from Luton? Uh, we've got six famous Hatters fans we've discovered for your consideration. 
the first of two cricketers is 41-year-old former England spin bowler. That's Monty Panesar. He was born in Luton in 1982 and also spent the whole of his childhood in the town. Uh, the other cricketer on our list is 39-year-old former England captain Alistair Cook. Um, he's a follower of the Hatters, despite being born in Gloucester. He retired from international cricket in 2018, but was still playing county cricket for Essex as recently as last season. Uh, sports broadcaster Faye Carruthers is the third name on our list. After starting out as a presenter on Absolute Radio, she went on to cover football matches for Sky Sports and is now currently a presenter with Talk Sport. Uh, actor Colin Salmon, uh, he's 62 years old. He was born in London, but grew up in Luton. His acting career spans over 30 years on TV and in film and includes roles in three James Bond films. In 2023, he joined the cast of EastEnders as George Knight, who's a co-owner of the Queen Vic. Uh, although she was born in Cardiff, 54-year-old Welsh singer Keris Matthews is also a follower of the Hatters, along with her Luton-born manager and second husband, Steve Abbott. As well as being the lead singer with Catatonia, she went on to be a presenter with BBC Radio. And then last, uh, but by no means least, is veteran broadcaster Nick Owen. Now 76, he became Luton Town's chairman in 2020. But in a shock rule change for this feature, he's allowed to join the list for his fame prior to becoming chairman, most notably as a presenter on ITV's TVAM. That was between 1983 and 86 from its launch, uh, and also on Good Morning from 1992 to 1996. And he's also been a presenter on BBC's Midlands Today since 1997. So that's the six to choose. Uh, what what scores are we giving them, Adam? Um, I think the we got a, a couple of um, couple of scores from from the podcast team, um, and they were both both scored it seven. I think they were at a solid seven from from Tom and Matt. Um, yeah, I thought I, I thought, right I thought they were being a bit generous there. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not a not a big not a massive fan of that list. Obviously, I'm, I'm a cricket fan, so Monty Panesar and Ante uh, and Alistair Cook. Uh, but I think the other names on on the list are slightly underwhelming. Maybe um, there'll be more Catatonia uh, fans out there, uh, and I'm sure that Natalie is has just had a shiver now of spine, shuddering somewhere at the thought of another uh, another rule change. Um, nice to throw that in there, mix it up a bit. Um, I'm sure she'll love well, that. But we, we did this. We did this with but with the this feature. Obviously, most of the teams we're doing, we didn't do last season. But obviously, Sheffield United and Luton, we did. Yeah. So the list isn't exactly the same, but there's obviously crossover with what we did last time. And I was I was quite um, surprised to see the scores coming through from uh, Matt and uh, Tom, who were giving them solid sevens. Well, I, I didn't actually go back and check, but it's from memory. I'm sure we we're only giving them three or four when 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 it was done last time. So I was wondering what had changed in uh, in the space of uh, a few months. Uh, well, yeah, um, it's a very good point. But uh, I think I'm I am going to mediate their score down to a six. Um, take Natalie's role and uh, and do a bit of uh, do a bit of altering with that. Um, but yeah, I think that's still probably very kind. <laughs> um. I think that's the end of our features, uh, Dave. I just wanted to, to have a, a quick conversation. We've, we've obviously we're in the January transfer window now, um, and there's started a few links have been popping up. Um, Papa Gay, a defensive midfielder from Marseille, Jozinho Nyanze, 
a six foot four centre back from Strasbourg. Um, two people, two players that I've never heard of before, but um, reading some seem very athletic and very physical. Um, and then someone who is more familiar, Danny Ings, was linked a few days ago on loan from uh, from West Ham. I think he's at now. Yeah, been all over the claret and blue, hasn't he? Um, do you think? Well, firstly, do you think we need to add strength after we spent so much money in in the summer? Um, and do you think we will? Um, I think, yeah, transfer windows are, are typical. You get a lot of chatter and you get a lot of um, false links coming through. Um, so I don't tend to read too much into it. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll wait and see what gets announced officially. Um, but I'd, I'd be surprised if there's very much activity. in. I mean, there might be the odd player going out. Um, there might be the odd one coming in, but I don't think there'll be a lot of activity happening. It's very difficult from our point of view anyway, because players you're bringing in, um, it's a bit of a tough sell for them, isn't it, in terms of Burnley's position in the table. So, um, whereas last transfer window, when you're looking back to uh, not only the summer, but the preparation work that was put in prior to that, um, you could basically go in the base and say, well, look, we're going to be a Premier League team next season. Whereas... Um, it's a much more difficult sell to players, bearing in mind how we have struggled so far this season and the position we're in. So I can't see there being too much going on. Um, I might be surprised. There obviously are you know, another three weeks of this left to go. Um, but as I say, we might see the odd one in, the odd one out. But I guess that's going to be the extent of it. I wouldn't expect to see um, a lot of activity happening. I'd be more likely to see... Well, I'd be more likely to expect more activity perhaps in the summer, but that obviously depends on what happens in the second half of the season. Yeah, completely agreed. I, I think we'll struggle to make an impact um, in the transfer window, um, given our current situation. Uh, yeah, I think you covered that that really well there. Um, have you got any other business, Dave? Uh, no, I think we've covered uh, pretty much everything, apart from are you going to do a, an FPL update for us? Uh, yeah, I'll just do a quick reminder. Because of the hastily arranged uh, fixture, um, Turf Moor on uh, on Friday, I mean, the deadline has also moved forward for FPL. So game week 21 will now close at 6.15pm on Friday evening. So make sure you uh, you get your teams in. There, um, there's quite a lot of disruption as well, FPL-wise, because um, players like Salah has gone to AFCON, Sun has gone to the Asia Cup, uh, I've had injuries to Jared Bowen and Trent Alexander-Arnold in the last few days. Um, so, yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of, uh, of hits taken, I think, and maybe a lot of chips played. Uh, but, yeah, good luck to you all. And as always, um, wish you all green arrows. Um, anyway, thanks, Dave. Um, and thanks to the other Dave from Oh When The Town podcast. And most of all, thanks to you, the listeners. Hope you're all able to make the swiftly rearranged game at the turf on Friday night. And what we're all, um, in what we all hope is a much-needed victory for the Clarets. The Analysis Show team will be back early next week with all of the big talking points from the game. Until next time, up the Clarets. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the TalkSport Fan Network. Our host and editor is Natalie Bromley and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The Analysis Show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Rich Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby and Adam Dennett. 
Our music is provided by George Gaskell and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonenever.substack.com. Thanks as ever go to our partners, TalkSport. We are proud to be associated with the TalkSport fan network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.